with us today. Uh, it has been a crazy week here at Journey and we are tired. Uh, it was a successful event last night with our partnering with the city for Grinchmas if you missed it, uh, but it was a great time. We had several thousand people come through the building. Um, this room was Santa's workshop and now you're sitting here. So just it's a lot of work. Uh, we left late at night. So we want to thank our staff and volunteers. Um, if you see Kara and Casey, give them a hug from me because they're not going to get one from me, uh, but just give them a hug. Uh, and our staff worked really, really hard this week. It was a great event. We had several volunteers. Um, and so just thank you for everybody that helped make, <coughs> sorry, a not so very Grinchmas possible. Uh, next year, our goal is to be back in full force. And so we'll talk more about that as we come. Lots of stuff coming up. It's Christmas season. So lots of things going on. Uh, and so make sure if you haven't downloaded the Journey app that you do so you get those notifications and emails and all that stuff. But we have a ton of stuff coming up with it being the holiday season. We also know it's a busy time for everybody. Um, one of the things I do need to remind you guys of is last week we did a challenge. Uh, and here's what's cool. So I didn't, you guys don't know this. So if you come to first service, so we brought Nathan and Justy in. We did the, or, the, uh, the ornaments uh, for the orphans in Malawi. We had 80 of them we had to get sponsored. And my thought was like, I don't know if we can do that. So we actually partnered with another church to make sure all 160 uh, got taken care of. And so by second service, they were all gone. And so you guys took care of that. So give yourselves a hand. That was awesome. Um, and so second service, we were like, I don't know what to tell you because I have nothing to give you. As, but we do have a couple things. Uh, we still have 40 bags uh, for families. We partner with the Family Resource Center. So any student or family that feeds into the Bullet Central School System, middle school and elementary school, we want to make sure that they have a Christmas meal. And so on your way out, you can grab one of those bags. You can do the shopping yourself um, or you can scan that QR code and cover the cost of the thing and we'll do the shopping for you. But we want to make sure that no family in our community um, has to go this Christmas without having a nice Christmas meal. And we do that every year. You guys may not even realize we do that, but we do that every year uh, to make sure all of those families in our communities have a nice Christmas. I do also want to say last week, um, I did not get enough credit. I did not say a single thing about the game last week. Not a single word that I mentioned. Now, hold on. Don't clap. Yeah, you give me credit. I'll take the credit. But today, today, we can all be miserable together, all right? We can just all say sports are stupid. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, uh, so with that said, uh, do you ever, and this is a rhetorical question, so just know that, do you ever get the feeling that the world isn't the way it's supposed to be, right? And so what we do is we find ourselves in this period of time where we know the world isn't maybe the way it's supposed to be, and so we find ourselves in a season of hoping and waiting, hoping and waiting. And we're hoping and waiting that one day it will be the way it's supposed to be. And so what we do is we find ourselves every year, and we're in a season right now that depending on what tradition you grew up in, you may not understand this season, so we're going to talk about it for a second. We're in a season we refer to as the Advent. So the Advent, you might be somewhat familiar with it, especially if you were a kid. You got this thing called an Advent calendar. It was probably a box or a house or a shape of some sorts, and there's little numbers that are on there, and it counts down to Christmas, and every day you open up a little box and you get a little treat or a little piece of candy. Or now they sell Advent calendars. Um, you can get chocolate or toys or whatever for your kids. They even have Advent calendars for adults now. There's some for wine. I even saw one the other day for bourbon. And so uh, you can enjoy your Advent as well. And so Advent is the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. 
So it would actually start this week. And so it's the four kind of Sundays that lead up to Christmas. Now, the word Advent is a Latin word, which means, um, it comes from a Latin word, which means the, the coming or that which is to come. And so the idea is, it's this period of time that we remember that there was this waiting period um, until Jesus comes into the world, until the birth of Jesus. And so every year, we kind of open up an Advent with this idea that we're waiting until Christmas. We're waiting until that day that we get to celebrate. Now, here's the thing about waiting. Um, Does anybody like waiting? Like, waiting is one of the worst human experiences. And I'll be honest with you, and I've told you guys this before, um, I am an incredibly impatient person. Um, So, like, here, like, a lot of times I'll have to go out and grab lunch. And the way I decide where I'm going to grab lunch here in, in town is it doesn't matter what I want to eat. What matters is which place is going to get me through the fastest, right? And bad news for some of you guys, if I ever take you guys out for lunch, it doesn't matter to me what you want to eat. (laughs) What matters is what's going to make me wait the least amount of time to get our food, right? The other day I was working out early in the morning, and if I go work out early in the morning, there's a certain song that I always start my workouts with. And so I kind of had it queued up on my iPhone and, and I hit play, and, and the problem was, with this particular day, was my phone didn't have good service or whatever, and so I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and waiting for this song to buffer, and I'm getting so frustrated, I'm about to give up, and then all of a sudden, I hear... This is how incredibly impatient... I, listen, here's the thing, the sad thing about that, it was like 10 seconds, and I was ready to throw my phone across the gym... <laughs> Because I was having to wait so long. Sporting events, right? If I go to a UK basketball game and I find out it's a nationally televised game, I get mad. Because here's what I know. There's going to be a 16, a 12, and an 8, and a 4 media timeout. And there's going to be the timeouts they get. And you know what I hate about timeouts? We just have to wait. Here's the thing. I play pickup basketball games on Sunday nights with a bunch of old guys we get less rest than these guys get when it's a nationally televised game. How about this one? You guys watched the football game. I won't mention it, but you guys watched the football game, some of you last night. Football games last, if you watch on TV, between three and four hours. Do you know how much actual play time there is in a football game? If you take a four-hour football game and you break down the actual play time in the game, it averages out to 15 minutes. The rest is waiting So what I do now is because my Packers stink anyway, is what I do is I pre-record the game and I just like kind of skip through all of that and get to the plays. And all of that to say, I hate waiting. So now you know how impatient I am and you should feel sorry for my wife. So um, (laughs) now historically, Christmas and the Advent is this time of waiting. So Advent is a season of waiting and it's the four Sundays. Now, if you grew up in a Catholic tradition, or if you grew up in what we considered a mainline tradition. So mainline would be Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Lutheran. You're way more familiar with the Advent than than even someone like me might be, because I did not grow up in one of those traditions. And the way that they do it is they take this calendar, and there's like a rhythm to their year. And so if you grew up Catholic or in a mainline church, what you may be familiar with is there's these two kind of seasons in the year. There's Lent to Easter, and then there's Advent to Christmas. And so you have these kind of special kind of seasons, this kind of flow in life. And what's crazy, I don't know if you guys know this, everything else that's either not Lent to Easter or, Chris, or Advent to Christmas is just called ordinary time. 
which is funny to me. Like, just this is ordinary time. We don't have to worry about it. So the idea is that there's a rhythm within your calendar year, just like there's a rhythm in life. The ebbs and flows, the rhythm of life. And, and we see this, and they get this idea because there seems to be a rhythm within Scripture, a pattern within Scripture. So from chaos to order, from darkness to light, from captivity to freedom, from mourning to dancing, from despair to hope. And so Advent is the season where we acknowledge this rhythm, but we also acknowledge the waiting. It's a season where we have to pay attention to all that's going on. Now, for Christmas, what we try to focus on is the joy around Christmas. And it is a joyful season for sure. But it can also be a season of heartache. And while we look forward to the many things that all of this season brings and all of the events and all of the celebrations and all of the lights and all of the gifts and all of that... For a lot of people, it's a tough season because it's a season where we're forced to remember those who aren't here with us anymore. (coughs) It's a season where the lights and sounds can't overshadow some of the pain that we're feeling. And so it's a season where we pay attention to kind of the feelings that we have. And we have to be forced to acknowledge the sickness, the sadness, and the suffering for some of us that's going on in our lives. And so it can be an incredibly difficult season, even though it's supposed to be a season of joy. But we have to remember the story that we get in Scripture is that God is also paying attention to the same things going on inside of us. It's a time for acknowledging our deep longing for the world to be made right, for it actually to be the way that we hope that it one day can be. And so the joy of Christmas emerges from a season of longing and waiting. Now, our culture doesn't encourage lingering in the deep for very long. We don't like that. We don't like to wait. So we want to skip over that and go to all the cheerful and joyful goodness. But the Advent reminds us of the truth that often there is no great rejoicing without a season of longing and waiting. So we're expecting something to happen until one day it does. Now, we have to understand every time we celebrate Christmas is that we live on this side of the Christmas story. And so we're reflecting back to an event. But the way the scripture unfolds for generations, God's people, (coughs) sorry, I have something in my throat because I did a snow machine last night for four hours. (coughs) A lot of chemicals, all right. And so God's people waited for countless generations for these prophecies to be fulfilled. So we have the beginning of the story in Genesis 3, this promise of something that is to come. And then we have the promise that's made to Abraham, and then the exodus of Moses, to the king, the reign of King David, and it's all these seasons of waiting for the next thing, longing, setting in the deep. In fact, by the time we get to what we would refer to as the Christmas story, the beginning of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 400 years have passed where nobody's heard anything. 400 years, I mean, think about that. That is a long period of time. That's that's almost twice the age of our country. At least 20 generations of people have passed in these 400 years of silence. I mean, can you even go back 20 generations in your family, right? I mean, this this is a lot. And for the first time in 400 years... Something's about to happen. Now, we, we hear that, and maybe some of us are like, well, why was God silent for 400 years? And, and the answer is, I don't know. But what I can tell you is this is not the first rhythm or season of 400 years. 
In fact, the beginning kind of, kind of story unfolds in this Exodus story where it says that God has heard the cry of his people who for 400 years, 20 generations of people have been in Egypt. And so there's this rhythm again to the story. And at this point in the story that we're going to pick up today, what we have to understand about the world that they find themselves in, these Israelites, um, is they're just kind of going through the motions. Their religion has become stale. Their faith system has become manipulative. It's become men striving for power, money to be made, and all the meanwhile, the people suffered. Imagine that, people using religion to manipulate people to gain power, prestige, and money. And so by the time we get to this story, there's a few men and women that remain faithful to the story because they've been waiting. One of those men is a guy named Zechariah. And that's where our story picks up. And in Luke chapter one, we see this story of this guy named Zechariah. And Zechariah is this priest in the temple. And so he's been assigned to these duties because they have to kind of keep the thing going. And so he's assigned to this duty and he's going through the motions. And again, it's been 400 years of silence. This guy isn't expecting anything. And then all of a sudden, the story starts to pick up. And in Luke chapter one, verse 11, it says this, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for God has heard your prayer. Now, a couple things about this text that's interesting. Did you know that don't be afraid or fear not is one of the most commonly used phrases in the Bible? In fact, some have said that it's over 365 times, one for every day that we walk into with our fear and our anxiety, this idea of (coughs) things that we should fear. And then there's this second one. God has heard your prayer. So don't be afraid because God has heard your prayer. I mean, how much would some of us give just to know that God had heard our prayer. Whatever it is you're facing is you pray to know that God had heard your prayer. And so it says, it goes on to say, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. And so two prayers have been answered in this moment. The first one is this. They find out that they're finally going to be able to have a child. I don't know if you've ever been through that struggle of longing and waiting and hoping. Me and my wife, that was a part of our story. We we tried for years and eventually we were told that it didn't look possible. There was an insurance lady that had called us that they were denying one of the things that we were about to try and said, maybe it's just not possible. And I cussed, I didn't cuss her out, but I, I, I had some choice words for that lady, the insurance lady on the phone. So if she ever hears this, I am sorry for my actions that day. But I know the pain of not being able and then all of a sudden finding out that it's possible. So that prayer has been answered. But the other thing is this. The silence has been broken. 
something is about to happen after this long period of waiting. It goes on to say, He will be a man with the spirit of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years as well. Did you notice how carefully he said that? (laughs) So he might be arguing with an angel, but he was smart enough not to call his wife old. (laughs) Now I love what happens next. Because remember, he's arguing with an angel, okay? I've never seen an angel but my first reaction would probably not to be to argue with it if I ever did see one. And the angel basically says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Like, dude, like this is happening, all right? <laughs> so who is this child? Well, if you grew up in church, you may not refer to him just as John. You would refer to him as John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus, is his cousin, and he's going to kind of prepare the way and kind of get people ready for when Jesus is going to start his ministry. The wait is over. Something's about to happen. But, but John just doesn't end there with his encounter with the angel. He, he goes on to write this kind of song, this kind of prophecy about his son, John, that he's finally going to be able to have, but also this Jesus. It says this. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way of the Lord for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible is <coughs> I cough. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. So Zechariah tells us what this Jesus is going to do. He's going to be this morning light that breaks into the darkness, and he's going to give us a path of peace. How many of us are just longing and hoping for peace? So this morning light, this prophecy, after all of this season of waiting, essentially here's what we know. Everything is about to change. Paul tells us later in Galatians that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The writer of Hebrews gives us this beautiful language, and I love it. At the culmination of the ages, Jesus comes. Emmanuel, God with us. But there's still a wait. God is going to fulfill his covenants, but what we know about the Christmas story that they did not know was that even though he had come into the world, the waiting will not be over. Emmanuel, God with us, has arrived, and it was a magnificent arrival. God is with us, love has a name. The debt has been paid. Grace has been given. The future is sure. The joy is great, but the end is not yet. Because what we know as we wait today is that death still snatches away, 
Disease still makes us miserable. Cancer still haunts our lives. War still erupts. Fear is still present. Even still prowls. And sin still indwells our lives. And so just like they did so long ago, we wait. And I don't know if about you, but I don't like waiting. I came across this article a few years ago, and it was called The Seriousness, Sorrow, and Our Joy. <coughs> about 3.7 million people, 3.7 million, think about that number, will die during the four weeks of Advent. Now, this isn't like anything crazy. This is just an average of how many people pass away during a four-week span of time. 3.7 million people will pass away during this season. About 105 people on average pass away every minute. And most of those, if not all of those, will pass away from this life without any news story. In fact, without anybody even knowing other than family and friends. The most go into whatever comes next without any kind of, it just happens. Sorrow touches all of us. And that which makes the waiting so hard, the longing, the, a- oh, the aching, the yearning. But yet, you're here in a room on a Sunday morning and you're here, most of us, because you're hoping. And you're waiting. You're hoping that one day it will be right. The Christian life oscillates between these two poles. The joy of the already and the tearful yearning of the not yet. Jesus gives us this brilliant teaching that only a few half of us will understand in this room. And so he talks about this idea when he's about to leave the earth. He talks about this idea of the pain that we face in life and, and how there's this season of waiting um, where we have to go through certain things, but then there's, there's a payoff at the end. And what he does is he, he kind of relates this to childbirth, which I've heard is not comfortable, all right? And so uh, he says, like, you, you go through this period of, of waiting. And he says in John 16, a woman goes through this time, and there's this pain because she, she's waiting for her time to come. And so let me ask you this. Anybody, hey, Mandy, are you done waiting? Yeah. Okay, so she's, what, eight and a half months pregnant? You're, you're done. Yeah, like, it can come out, like, right now. So if there's any doctors, just be ready. And so, um, so there's, like, this period of waiting, and then, like, there's pain, and there's all of these things, but... After the child has been born, all of the waiting and all of the pain goes away. And there's this moment where you realize that it's all been worth it. And so we set in Advent. We set in a season where we wait. Now, one of the things that they did early on in the tradition of Advent was they not only said we're going to take these four weeks, but we're going to focus on four ideas during this season, four, four words. And the first word is hope. This is a season of hope. And hope is this idea that, that, that we, we want to believe and we want to stand firm in believing that something better is possible. That there is a new day coming. So hope is the first word. The second word is, is peace. 
Peace is this thing that we all long for. It's this profound gift that gives us this idea that in the middle of the anxiousness of the life that we face, in the middle of the anxiousness of the world that we face, that there's these moments, there's this spirit, there's this place where we say, it's going to be okay. Joy is this celebration. It's this, uh, this, uh, this energy of God, this empowering presence in which we can actually believe that everything's going to be okay even when it doesn't feel like it is. That even though our circumstances are what they are, that we still celebrate life. And then love is the most important virtue of them all. Love is spacious. Love is patient. Love is encompassing. One man once said, love is just all we need. So we celebrate those words this season, and we're going to talk about them. I love this quote from John Michael Hansen. He says this, If Advent is the occasion where I return my eyes to the Savior, then it is also an invitation to consider where my eyes and my heart have been in the meantime. Advent is a gentle nudge that invites me to remember that the truth most worth knowing is that Jesus Christ is the way home. It is also a gentle reminder that I ought to keep my eyes upon him all year long. The season of Advent reassures us that God hasn't abandoned us to our fallen and broken world. The season reminds us of the extravagant links God has gone to to rescue and to restore our world. It's a reminder that even in the waiting, that God has the upper hand even when the opposite seems true. And the Advent is about anticipating the birth of Christ, but it's also about the longing desire of that which is yet to come. And so we wait together with an ache. Because all is not right. Something is missing. And the reason we have to remember this every year is because the reality is cynicism is the new religion of our world. That institution, that church, that politician, that authority figure, they'll let you down at some point. But Advent confronts the corrosion that we all are tempted to face in our heart with the insistence that God has not abandoned the world that hope is real, and that something is coming. Advent charges in and announces that there is a new day, and it's not like the one that came before, and the not yet will actually be worth it. And so we may feel like we said in the darkness and waiting. But as John tells us and as Zechariah prophesies, there is a light. And this is the season in which we burn the lights as bright as we can. I love this quote from Katrina Whitley. She says this, What does matter is that you understand this one great truth I have learned in my life. And by the way, this woman went through a lot. Even at the expense of leaving the garden has been worth it. So she's referencing this idea of that at one point we left the world as the way it was supposed to be and we're entering the world that we find ourselves in now. She goes on to say, I have known joy. How would we have tasted it if we had not known its opposite sorrow. And we have seen how darkness is dispelled when light arrives. Night and day after night and day, we never tire of it. We sit in darkness, but we know that the light has stepped into the darkness. It can't always be dark. In fact, Yi or Kanye West, which I know I'm not supposed to quote this guy anymore, but I love this. He says this, Even if you are not ready for the day, it cannot always be 
night. So we remain hopeful because we know that the light of the world has stepped down into the darkness. I want to end with one quote from Brian McLaren, and I love this. Because he talks about this thing that we face, this world that we face, and all of the people struggling for power and all of this thing, but yet we remain hopeful in one source. And here's what he says. Politicians compete for the highest offices. Business tycoons scramble for a bigger and bigger piece of the pie. Armies march and scientists study and philosophers philosophize and preachers preach and laborers sweat. But in that silent baby lying in that humble manger, there pulses more potential power and wisdom and grace and aliveness than all of the rest of us can imagine. And so each December, we enter into a season of waiting and expecting and longing. Yet we also believe that in this season, the Spirit meets us in the ache that we feel and the groaning that we feel for the world to be as it's supposed to be. And maybe as we focus on hope and love and joy and peace, we can ask God to enter into the deepest places of cynicism and bitterness and hardness that we find inside of ourselves. Some of us need the hope to believe that tomorrow can actually be better than today. And Advent reminds us that the wait will be worth it all. And so as we light up our lights, as we sing our songs, as we partake in our traditions, May we turn our hearts in the direction of that day, the not yet, but will be, believing and hoping even though we wait. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this story we get to celebrate every year. And uh, my prayer is that this is a season of lights where we light everything up but for so many of us, it feels like we're walking in a season of darkness. And my prayer is that you in this season, as we wait, you fill our hearts and our minds and our lives with the light that stepped into the darkness. You remind us of the hope that we have in you, the love that we find in you, the joy that we can experience in this life, even in hard times, and the peace in our hearts that we all desperately hope and seek. And so God, my prayer is that that you just communicate to us in these next few moments through the songs we sing. Uh, God, that we can hear that still quiet voice. But God, my prayer is that for those of us that are facing things right now, that you give us that spirit that we need. And so God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for all that you are and the grace that you give. In your son's name we pray, amen. Every week we come to this time where we celebrate communion together. And so this is the time, if you haven't, there's some stations around the room. We take these emblems. And the emblems of themselves, there's nothing special about them. It's just a little cup, a little bit of juice, and a, what they call a cracker. I'm not convinced. And, um, but it's what it represents. And it represents the sacrifice of Jesus. <coughs> that light has stepped into this world. And so all that we ask is when you're ready, and as the band leads us, you participate as...